They say small business is the backbone of America. So what's the best way to support a small business? It is to learn more about them and share with your family and friends. We interview founders from across the world who have started and scaled their business through the ups and downs, long hours, and the rewards that come from sacrificing their time to build their business. Welcome to First to Arrive, Last to Leave, The Journey of an Entrepreneur. All right, welcome to another episode of First to Arrive, Last to Leave. Today we have Kelly Kunst, uh, the founder of Fiscal Harmony. Got to make sure I get this right, Kelly. And a partner at GC, or not GC, GS Wealth Management. Kelly, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm so happy to have you here because this has been a while in the making. You're you're a busy woman. Well, (laughs) as are we all. Yes. But it's always really great to spend time with, you know, Goldman friends, Goldman girlfriends. And I just love that. And I, I love, well, you know, you got to have a little tagline. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's been really fun watching the podcast grow. And I, I love the fact that you guys are talking to a lot of our cohort members. There's so much wisdom there. And it is such a family. Yeah. And it's I think it's important because I know you mentioned in take one that we <laughs> record. But, like, this... It's hard. Like entrepreneurship is tough, and to have that surrounding by people who are right there with you. And the biggest one that we talk about is not just right there with you, but willing to be honest about where they are too. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times you want to put the front on, it's good, <laughs> but it might be falling out. You know, and, and it's a group of people that you can actually be honest with and say, you know what, things are good, but it could be better. I wish I could figure this out. So and by and by by doing that effectively, you get introduced to someone who might have the knowledge that you need at that moment. That's right. what I like, yeah. loved about it. Yeah. Well, because I think being an entrepreneur is probably the bravest thing a human being can undertake. Because there's very often not really, there's not like a, here is being an entrepreneur for dummies. It, it It's so changing and, and having a community is really critical. Yeah. And you know about that, Kelly, because you came from a family of entrepreneurs. I did. So I think I'm like a lot of entrepreneurs that if you dig back deep enough, you know, very often entrepreneurs are accidental entrepreneurs, but if you start kind of digging, there's people in their background, right? Mm-hmm. So my granddad started with his business in the Great Depression because, you know, let's face it, at that point in time, there was you have a business or your family starves. I mean, there wasn't really a lot of other options, right? Mm-hmm. So he had a sixth grade education and he started a business and he was really one of the first guys to be multi-line revenue and the agriculture model, like to a point that... They would travel. Uh, they went to Florida every winter. And people would walk up to him and introduce themselves to him and ask him questions about his business. There's that community again, right? Mm-hmm. And he just loved it because he just loved people. And he loved his community. And um, he just was one of those bigger-than-life people. Like, mm-hmm. the, I always knew growing up with him you know, the business was the business and he wanted to be successful, but it was a lever for him. Like it was the path to the thing that was the most important to him was his family and people. And so it kind of spurred a whole bunch of other entrepreneurs from paper recycling to um, my brother's an Emmy award winning producer. And and it's it's just really funny because it tends to run in families. You know, it, it just really does. But I think so much of my life's journey is about trying to make my granddad proud. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, I want to live in his footsteps and 
and not only build a great community, but keep my eye on the ball about what's the most important thing. And there was never a question with him. I always knew what the most important thing was. And it wasn't the I business. I love it. It's almost like, you know, I've, we're in a group together, the servant leadership, you right. know, and that's a big thing. And I feel like it's right. very like, you servant. it's like the new key word, right? It's the pivot of <laughs> 2022. But there is something to that. Like that's the money and the business building was just a thing that happened because he cared right. about other, you know what I mean? It was right. like a really good um, thing that came from serving first and being helping people and doing that. And it's just, it was, he was a servant leader before being a servant leader was cool. <laughs> it was funny. I got into my 40s and, you know, all these business uh, owners are in my past. And we moved to Dallas in 2009 in the middle of the financial crisis. And um, I had spent some time. I got recruited into pharmaceuticals. I did that for like five years, scrubbed into C surgeries, all that kind of stuff. Got into the financial services business and mortgage loan origination and then um, got into the financial services business and I was kind of part way into the process and picked up a great book, Simon Sinek, Start With Why. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have read that book. Um, and I think for me, it really made me think a lot back to my days spending time with my granddad and kind of growing up in that family business, which granddad probably employed about 50, 60 people. So wow. it wasn't just the family. Yeah. You know, in the 70s and early 80s, that was a big business. But, you know, I read Simon Sinek and I really thought about what it was I thought I was put on this earth to do. And that's when I really discovered kind of what I think my life's work is and it led to a lot of things in kind of rapid succession and I became a CFP and I started the practice and I spent some time in behavioral finance as well so I could really kind of serve people mm -hmm. um, but it's funny how it kind of once once my purpose became clear things started to fall into place and I have to apologize, you know, I'm in a very regulated industry, so right. let me just get my little disclosure. <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> I wrote it down. So securities are offered through Bertel Fisher and Company Financial Services, Inc., BFCFS, member FINRA SIPC, investment advisory services offered through BFC Planning, I'm almost done, Inc., GS Wealth Management, BFCFS, and BFC Planning, Inc. are independent entities, so now we can... Okay. Okay. That's done. <laughs> All right. We can focus on the rest of our conversation. So being that you have that perspective of growing up in an entrepreneur family and being an entrepreneur, you know, going into this business, how do you think um, that perspective... Um, benefits your clients who are most of or I don't know who, who all the clients are but I know a good portion of them are, are entrepreneurs yeah yeah you, you know I think again entrepreneurship is a whole nother thing and there's so many things that are related when you're in an entrepreneurship um because like when we work with clients, you know, there's the personal finances mm -hmm. and there's the business, but that's not really how they are. They're like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's super challenging. Um, it's a job I love. I have a really curious mind. And thank goodness I hired a really smart guy in January that also um, has run a business. And he's also super curious. Uh, his name's Daniel Klein. Um but, but I think, to your point, there's so many moving parts, and it's a little bit like playing financial Jenga. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot of Good things you need to be on top of. It, it it really is. And so I have to ask a lot of questions. I think that's what I've I've spoken to you um, from the business side like uh, before. One, going through the program, we were like the first partnered up because we we're in the same cohort. That's right. And then two, everything that was happening during Goldman was actually happening in my business. So it, there, it was like true education through each week. <laughs> you were a true case study. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, someone should have interviewed me through the whole process. It was interesting. But one of the things I found really interesting and one of the things that Troy and I appreciated was that you were able to look at the whole situation and say, this plugs in here and this plugs in here. And we never looked up. So we never were able to see any of that stuff. And I mean, I, that's one of the things I've always appreciated, just being able to call you and be like, am I looking at this the right way? And you're, you would be like, oh, well, there's this way and this way to look at it. And we've always taken that advice and being able to assess and then move forward um, through that. Yeah. And so I think it's really important for entrepreneurs to have someone like you in their corner because you're never looking up. Mm -hmm. You're always like on the course and maybe you need to go left or the money needs to go a different direction for a little bit. So, yeah. well, and in my family too, you know, there's the, you're talking about how like there's the entrepreneur that everybody sees and then there's what's really happening yeah. behind the scenes, right? And that's always the case with business owners. And that was my family experience, right? Um, my granddad, you know, I, told you all about a success but what ended up happening was the black swan hit the business there were some challenges and how they built the structure and and various things long story short when the business went bankrupt he almost lost his primary property his personal property as well because mm -hmm. of how things happened and and I think that is it's, it's why I said, like, being an entrepreneur is the most courageous, bravest thing an individual can do because it, it takes grit. And, and so I think a lot of it is I really, having grown up and gone through the, you know, when a family business fails, there's an emotional death that happens, too. It's, mm -hmm. it's extraordinarily personal. And, and having gone through that, you know, this goes back to this is my life's work. I'm going to ask every question I possibly can to make sure that we don't have issues in anything that links in how this whole house is being built. Mm -hmm. And having seen it and lived through it a couple of times, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and like the ugly to the bone kind of moments of being a business owner. Mm -hmm. um, it's why I feel it's my life's work. And it's perspective that not all of us have or not a lot yeah. of people have you know and to be able to give that perspective and opportunity to learn I think that's what you're doing is is really amazing well thank you so I, I love it I'm very blessed <laughs> well talk about your journey too so <laughs> you know you're helping entrepreneurs and you're saying it's you know courageous and all that and now in order to do your life's work you have to become an entrepreneur right. to help other entrepreneurs <laughs> so what was that journey like? Like you go from, you know, you're getting your certifications, you're learning about this, you're doing a 180 from pharmaceutical sales. Where where was that? How did that journey come about? And when were you like, you know what, I'm going to go out on my own and do this? So I'm kind of a case study of a lot of business owners and a really great book called Range. If you haven't read Range, it's really interesting. But and Range kind of makes the point that entrepreneurs very often, your path looks very disconnected yeah <laughs> but but it's not and so I started off in education 
and then started moving around a bunch with my husband. I got recruited into pharmaceuticals. Um, and we'll, I mean, if we talk a little bit about culture, I learned some great lessons there from the the, the guy that recruited me into it, um, into the company. And then um, got into mortgage loan uh, work oh, in 2008 okay. when it was the craziest <laughs> was time. I don't know if that's the year you want to get into mortgage loans, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. <laughs> so got into the business then and then really started doing work with like five female financial advisors. They sent me a lot of their cases in the mortgage world. And then one of those financial advisors said, you need to cross over. So we moved to Dallas. I started in 2009 in the business, got my CFP in 2014, went into behavioral finance as well, because we're both sides of the coin as human beings, right? We make decisions on logic, and we also make decisions on emotion, hopefully more on logic and money front. But <laughs> um, And then... Decided I really wanted to do things differently than the firm that I was an employee. Um, wanted to do a lot more in-depth structural planning, asking all these kind of pesky questions to make sure I understood. And so left and, and joined GS Wealth Management in 2015 and then launched my brand, Fiscal Harmony, shortly after that just because it, it has a meaning to me personally. Okay. So... And how has that been? Like you put up shop or, you know, you put your stake in the ground and everybody came flowing to you and it was really yeah. easy. Is that, that's yeah, what I've heard yeah. business can be like. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like anything. Yeah. Um, for us in our business, they typically tell you to expect, you know, three to five years to build your practice. Mm-hmm. And I think stepping out and doing some things differently um, really meant I had to dig in and ask myself, what do I want to accomplish and how do I build all the tools? And then I ended up in Goldman Sachs, right, with you. Yeah. <laughs> and built more tools. And, and so it's been a journey. And, and um, I think it's just a constant state of evolution. So what was something that changed or like what changed for you after Goldman, like from before to? That's a great yeah. question. So when I got into Goldman, in our industry, there's a lot of male founders that need to sell their companies now. They're like reaching that age and they need to sell their companies. So we had looked at two different acquisitions. One didn't go very far. One, we got pretty far down into the weeds and decided ultimately that it wasn't the right fit for us to buy the practice, both because of kind of his, um, how he had his business structured and then our business was growing so fast, I thought, I don't know if I really want to. I don't know if I need to. I don't know if I want to. Mm-hmm. So that's what led me to Goldman. I knew that it existed because I knew some of the faculty, Lynn O'Neill, Julie Chance. Um, and so I knew it was there. But coming off of some of those due diligence options, experiences, I thought, I really need to start to pivot and think about both how do I serve the business owners that are my clients and how do I be a better business owner Mm -hmm. you know in my own which I thought also would serve the first yeah Mm -hmm. the the more I learn the better I'm going to be able to to do and I think for me for Goldman I had so many thoughts in my head not only about how I wanted to plan 
Um, I'm also a big stakeholder capitalism believer. Like, for example, Costco outsells Sam's Club three to one per square foot. At least it did if you read what conscious capitalism has to say. Um, and so I just had so many things that I really wanted to explore and think about doing differently in our world. And it gave me some time and space to really think about what's the sequence of events. You know, here's what needs to happen next. Here's the next business that might be coming online in the next three years. Here's the next step of how we actually document these businesses as we spin them out. So it gave me a lot of time to think about that and get it organized in my head. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine, like, and I'm sure you guys talk to a lot of entrepreneurs too, like, isn't that one of the biggest challenges is kind of getting it all out of your head? <laughs> On a daily basis, yeah. Like even just, okay, so you get it out of your head to start it, and now you got to get it out of your head to run it, and now you got to get it out of your head to hire people, right? And get the, like, it's constantly getting it out of your, and then getting out of your own head too. <laughs> yeah, that would be a trick now, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they could get both. What about like, you know, speaking of getting it out of your head, I know you've talked uh, a lot about taking the leap and hiring. You mentioned Daniel at the beginning of the call or at the beginning of the podcast. Can you talk about that? Because I know he was a leap of faith, right? Like venturing out and starting to build around your company. Now it's not just you. Can you talk about that leap and helping? Yeah. That whole get how do you get that out of your head to make sure he encompasses what you believe? You know, all of that of. Of taking that leap so I had when I hired Daniel I had two fractional admins and then I had a fractional March marketing person already so we were kind of functioning in those spaces and we just had a lot of growth I mean we were mm-hmm. running 40% growth year over year for three years in a row and it was getting to a place where um, I just knew I wasn't gonna serve the clients the way that I needed to. And then, you know, like a lot of us that are in our 50s, there's other things to consider, like the age of our parents, and I'm a sandwich generation girl. So, you know, the the funny part of that story is I, I had really started to think about it, but I really thought that person I was gonna hire was gonna look totally different, like speaking of getting out of your head, right? So, Daniel showed up on a referral from someone that knew us. So another big um, plug for why your network is so critical and the community is so critical, right? And I knew when I graduated from Goldman that I had a lot of work to do on the operations side of the house to really fill in the gaps, get things documented and all of that. And then Daniel showed up really not looking like I thought he was going to Um, how I thought that first full-time employee was going to look. And then as we kind of got to know each other better, he's probably everything I needed that I didn't really know I needed. And as far as helping us really be able to do research and build the operational processes and get ready for scale, because ironically, the other thing we share in common, we share a few things in common, but he also came from the mortgage loan origination business. Oh. And he had done a lot of the operational stuff in that business. So he was uniquely positioned to really help us. Yeah. And how has that been since? So, like, I know it's been great. Have there been any obstacles that you've had to overcome or things you've had to figure out bringing on a a person who really is that that wing to you? Um, I think the hardest part of... Thinking about your business from a longevity standpoint, right? Because, I mean, if the business is you, it 
it's not really a business. It's a job. It, it's a job. You, you've bought yourself a job. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to invest so much time on the front end. And Daniel came with so many talents and so many gifts, but he really spent a lot of time listening in those first three to five months. And it's it's a big time investment, right? I mean, I know a lot of business owners talk about the, the cost of getting someone onboarded, someone up to speed, and then you get them up to speed and then you know they can perhaps sometimes leave and you've invested mm-hmm. a lot of time. Yep. But it was really all of that time investment up front because he had somewhat different skill sets than I had. And then I think it's like anything, you know, you're building your business and it's about really deciding who should lead on what projects. Right. Right. Like you're more suited to do that. I'm going to leave that in your hands and I'm going to run with this. And the other thing that was great about Daniel was because he was 40, he'd had a business in his background, and he was a graduate of the London School of Economics. I I could tell him, you know, we're working on this client, here's what I'm trying to solve for. And he was so great about coming back and bringing it into a a model that we could better communicate with our clients Mm. about how we're going to do these various things. Like I could tell them what I was trying to solve for and I didn't have to write him a manual, right? Mm. He came back and had the first draft in very good shape. So he's just been really great. And then it's been about the second half of it is, okay, where's Daniel leading? Where am I leading? Right. Okay. Yeah. Like what you enjoy. Then you get yeah. to really kind of like flush out a little bit of the things that you are really good at or that you like to spend your time right. on. And then you can delegate otherwise, which is also another fun thing to learn as an entrepreneur. It is an advice. Yeah. We <laughs> had that whole like exercise story yeah. about that. Yeah. Well, no, I think, well, I was, I talk, I've probably talked about this numerous times, but I read this book, Who Not How, and it yep. changed my perspective about everything. I was like, wait, I don't. I can find someone who loves to do this and I can take that off my plate. Like that's a thing. I don't have to do it all. But I think in your mind, you're like, okay, I'm stop trying to save costs over here or save costs yeah. over here. But it actually doesn't save any costs because it's right. time. Right. And and then it, the ball gets dropped. So there's a lot of so anyways, all that to say is yes, that's is trying to delegate and learn all of that. And it seems like that's what Daniel is for you. Yeah. He is. It, He's your uh who. <laughs> yeah. I, well, so when I first talked to him, going back to the Simon Sinek book, Start With Why, mm-hmm. I love the story of Martin Luther King Jr. and Ray Abernathy. So they actually went to seminary together, right? And so Ray Abernathy Jr. Ray Abernathy knew Martin Luther King Jr. for a very long time. So Abernathy was responsible for making sure people actually knew Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream and what that was. And it was so like I talked with Daniel about that in the first interview, and then he came back in the second interview, and he had a lot to say about that. He had like <laughs> read the case study, and mm. and you know, so oh, you just got the yeah, yeah, that's like your people, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it, it was it was an interesting process. Yeah. So I want to go and give you props back to the servant leadership side because you've got you know, not just your organization that you run, but you've built organizations on the servant side to help other people. Right. Um, yes, being one. And I, can you, I know you came from a family of entrepreneurs, but you really, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you really have a heart for the women entrepreneur, right? Like that's, yeah. and that's, yes is really about 
I don't think it's for women only, but there's a women, uh, it leans towards women. Am I correct in that um, assumption or no? Somewhat. I, but, okay. But, you know, unfortunately, I have one passion in life. It's entrepreneurs. Yeah. I'm kind of a thinly focused person. I think it goes all the way back to my granddad again. Yeah. Um, but so your executive symphony, or yes, has been running programming for about 13 years, and we've had all different CEOs on the platform talking about how do we do all this, right? Like, because again, there's the aspect of what's in a book, and then there's real life, <laughs> which we've all experienced in 2020 with COVID and all of these other disruptions, right? Um, so yes is about that. We do have probably a little bit more tilt to women entrepreneurs and I'm also really involved in a group called um, Peace Through Business uh, that is helping women business owners in Rwanda and Afghanistan as you can imagine the Afghani contingent has been pretty seriously affected by everything going on um, and it's always funny when you volunteer your time and the stuff you're passionate about right I will never forget the first Peace Through Business um, business owner that I had t some time to spend time with and she was a dairy farmer in Rhonda and she was talking about some of the challenges that they're experiencing there and it was so funny because here we are talking to somebody that's a country that's on the other side of the world mm -hmm. and how many things we had in common mm. and and it was it was kind of one of those moments I'll just never forget it I felt my grandfather's presence oh that's awesome you know, mm -hmm. that's the stuff that makes life worth living. So that's so cool. And how does that impact? You know, a lot of people would be like, wow, running my own business and then starting an organization that support like it's a lot. It's a lot on your play, but obviously it's extremely rewarding because um, yes is your bait. Like you started that it from is. scratch, right? It. Yeah. Our first full year of programming was 2010. Wow. So what was that like building both sides of I mean, that's a lot yeah. on your plate. Uh, you use your calendar a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's got to all be calendared. Yeah. But even just still like any, I always use the word, I, I need to come up with a different word from obstacles, but any um, issues, but maybe some fun things that, you know, like things you had to overcome just to make both of those happen because they're both very successful organizations, but one, you know, is a nonprofit just on the servant side, one is yours. Um so how have you done those both at the same time? And are there ways you've been able to really, you know, where they are in a, in a harmony situation? Does that make sense? It, it does. I, you know, I think earlier in my professional life, it was a little bit easier to balance the two. Mm -hmm. as and But, you know, you're always going to have challenges when you're trying to run two different organizations. And so, and you and I are both in Business Navigators, mm -hmm. and, and that's partly why we're deciding to create more of an ecosystem from an entrepreneurial standpoint between, yes, Business Navigators, Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses, and then Biz Owners Ed, which is another program that meets uh, the first quarter of every year. Because there's actually a lot of organic overlap anyway. But, but I think sometimes as an entrepreneur, and this was the decision I came to last year, is that there's a season for everything. Mm -hmm. And the season had come that it was time to make some decisions about yes. And so yes is moving under the business navigator's umbrella as an entrepreneurial special interest group. And actually, 
my thought process changed when all of us were at the Goldman Sachs conference in D.C. Oh. Yeah. So I would say to your listeners, you know, if they didn't go, go. the next one is going to be in 2024. Block your calendar and go because it was transformative. I don't know how it was. For, oh, I just mean, block this, the this... summer off at this point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, who knows what you it's going to go. be, but you need to go. Agreed. Well, this, came this came from, from that. Yeah. And, and I was listening to Allie Webb. I think she was so profound the oh. under a dry bar. And she said, you know, business is like a constant game of whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. I thought, boy, truer words were never spoken. And and I think for me, I started thinking about, okay, what is our next evolution? And yes, what is our next season for how we influence the next group of business owners? And how do we work together better so everyone achieves more? Mm -hmm. So that first event is going to be a collaboration. You can find information on yourexecutivesymphony.com. You can find it at alumcore.com. Um, which is a group with Goldman Sachs, and it's going to be February 2nd, and we're bringing back Jason McCann from Very because, you know, is there anybody better? I no. You know. He's awesome. He's, I'm excited. He's, and he's so giving, and I think that's the other thing that's always fascinating to me about entrepreneurs, and in the Dallas market in particular, they're so generous and gracious. Yeah. What is it because everything's better in Texas? Could do well, and the reason I don't I don't mean to like say that, and I do believe I get to call myself a Texan uh, now, but I feel like there is they want everybody wants to lift everybody up. Yeah, everyone that I've met that is entrepreneurs in the state of Texas is they have your back, or they're going to put someone in front of you, or they're going to point you in the right direction. And not that I didn't have that in California, it was just different, and that's one that's one of the yeah. things I I like about this state. Yeah. Well, there's a lot. I was so surprised when we moved here in 2009 um, because, you you know, the perception is I think Dallas is such a big city, and it is, but it's really like one of the most warm and embracing communities in entrep- for entrepreneurs. I feel yep. like it's a big city and a small town all in the same because yep. you start doing the yep. events, you know, you start seeing this. It becomes very small very quickly in yep. a good way. Exactly. In a good way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. Should we do some rapid fire? Yes. Okay. These are always my favorite. I know. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> What's your favorite beverage? So that would be a Hawaiian Mai Tai in Hawaii. Oh, I yeah. Because you must be like the 48, the lower 48, they do not know how to make a Mai Tai. So it would mean that I'm not only having a Mai Tai, I'm probably in Hawaii. And hopefully well. swimming with some sea turtles, too. That's a really good answer. Yeah. Like one I like with the, the other. Yeah. yeah. Um, the best advice you've ever been given? So the best advice I ever was given was by somebody that I ultimately chose not to continue doing business with. Ooh, oh, I got to hear this one. So she said, um, I only take advice from people who I trade lives with. Now, for her, that meant something very different than it did for me. Okay. Okay. Um, it, it meant like position and status and I don't care about any of that stuff. So eventually it terminated the business relationship, but and sometimes you actually learn the best lessons from people that you don't want to replicate. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. A thousand percent. Yeah. But, but that was very formative. Like only take advice from people that you trade lives with. Yeah. Because sometimes like they're 
outside is not something I'd want to shift my life to be. You know what I mean? Like they may look like they've got it all together, but their kids hate them or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good. That's a really good. Yeah. Can we write a book? Now I'm really like all these like one liners are so good. And all these responses are just. Yeah. I know. Okay. We're just putting it out there in the universe. Okay. Um, If you could have dinner with anyone. This one might surprise y'all. Who? Dolly Parton. Oh, I love this. Okay, I'm, now you've got a story there, so go because that's I. <laughs> so, so number one, you know, I grew up listening. You know, my family listened to country music, and and you know, I share some of her feelings about like you know, we were in a family business. There wasn't a lot of wealth, like so. I think, and I think it's fascinating that she's still working, and I think it's fascinating. Like most people do not realize how much music she's written. Like they see yeah. Dolly and there's that perception they have. But she owns the royalties to so much music that she's written to a point that, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a college scholarship program she started from all of the royalties from Whitney Houston's recording of I Will Always Love You. It's funding scholarship. She doesn't take any of that money and she just redirects it all. Well, do you know the story about behind that too? Like Elvis came to her. Do you have you ever heard I, that story? I did not. So she wrote that obviously many years ago, and Elvis came to her and wanted to record that, and in and she was like she was just beginning, and she oh my gosh, what an honor that he mm-hmm. would want to record that. However, stipulation was he wanted all the rights to it. And she was like, I don't feel comfortable doing this like that. And she was that smart that early on in a time where she should not, ha- you know what I mean? No one would have done that. She was like, I'm sorry, I don't feel comfortable with that. Like, I- I'm really honored you would want to sing my song, but I'm not going to give you the rights to that song. I mean, I, it's amazing. one, it would be a really fun dinner because she's so self-deprecating yes. and hilarious. Right. <laughs> And she, but she's so smart. Like, I don't yeah. think people realize how smart she is as a businesswoman. And then, you know, there's all of the... She's so embedded in her community. Yeah. You know, I just... I think she'd be fascinating. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be the fly on the wall during your dinner. <laughs> well, I'll invite you. Okay, I mean, When I get it set up, I'll, I'll invite you. Yeah. That is yeah. game on. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm so there. Um, what does your morning routine look like? Coffee. Because, <laughs> unfortunately, it's like... I drink my coffee and then I have to have my phone nearby. Like I actually have a calendar that says, and it's color coded, but it says high priority task because I start drinking my coffee and I'm thinking about things and oh, I need to download into the calendar. You know, I would love to say that I'm smart enough to meditate. Yeah. You know, like conversation some of our yes. members, but yeah, I'm I'm not getting there. I'm not in the morning. It's it's awesome. I've been directed to do it, so it's make I'm like I've kind of want to hold up to my end of the bargain, and it's been very helpful. <laughs> Anyways, um, top bucket list item. Top bucket list item. I don't know. Um, probably more travel. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't been traveling much over the last couple of years. Yeah. Or it's always this is the part. So Kelly and I are from Wisconsin, and we're both. NFL team owners. I'm just saying, I don't yes. want to make you feel bad about yourself, but we yes. are. But um... <laughs> and, and, and there's another Goldman Sachs uh, alum that is as well. Oh, I, I believe okay. Jennifer Flattery is as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Really? Well, yeah, I think so. Uh, how we... Okay, anyways, we'll talk about it. But that. the part of that stinks about being from Wisconsin is that, like, that's part of your vacation, too, right? Like, a lot of times you want to travel, but you're like, I got to go home. So I hear you on the, I'd rather go, but sometimes you just have to go back all the time. Anyway, I digress. Um, 
what do you read? Sorry, I'm processing. No, you're the good. Owner, the NFL. Yeah. We're talking about yeah. the Packers. Packers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we're Bills fans, so. <laughs> yes, but we'll take. I can guarantee you, you currently have a better quarterback than we do. <laughs> Probably not only on the field, but as a person as well. Yeah. See, we differ on that. I, I see. I, I like Aaron Rodgers, and I tend to be my husband will call me a fair weather fan because I usually go towards the team that I like the quarterback. But because my fa- husband's family is from uh, Buffalo, or some of them are, um, and he's a diehard fan, my daughter is now has the giant Buffalo head that she wears when the game is on. Nice. So I said, "Do I get to join?" And he said, "It's going to take a while." <laughs> I, uh, I will clarify. There's no way I'm wearing a cheese wedge on my head. No, that's not happening in my future. Uh, <laughs> Wait, so uh, yeah. all right, so even for money? No. Okay. Just okay. just want to clarify. <laughs> what are you currently reading? So I just finished a great book by Dr. Pippa Malmgren. She is a former economic advisor to she's a PhD, also graduate of London School of Economics, like Daniel. Um, she's advised two presidents. Her dad advised four. Um, very interesting stuff. Uh but it's called Signals. Great book. Okay. Uh, give her a little plug. The The other thing that was really fun was I was partway into the book, and I reached out and connected to her on LinkedIn. This is the other thing I love about women business owners, right? So I reached out to her on LinkedIn, and she connected, and then I had questions, and she replied. That's awesome. Yeah. You know why? Because I think there is that philosophy, and um, Jane Morwen, who's the founder of Dermalogica, she believes in... Uh, a hand up, not a handout, and that does. And I, I think that is a true to form woman or women mm-hmm. business owner feeling. Is that oh wow, someone paved the way and let me walk on their path, but also opened the door so I could go on my own path. Like I think yeah. that's, I think that's just instilled in us. The other book I'm reading right now is Rocket Girls, and it's all about the women that were part of the science teams that built the first propulsion rockets. What's it called? Okay, Rocket, Rocket Girls. Okay, I have to look that one. My. My daughter is into all, all sorts of things, but space being one. Okay, and it's good. Are you halfway through or already? Uh, I'm not halfway through. I'm I'm just getting started. But it's really it's funny about you know how they got funded and you know yeah I'm kind of at that point you know the first rocket blew up because there's always failure in an entrepreneurial path. Right? <laughs> Speak for yourself. I haven't experienced that yet, but I've heard it could happen. Oh, that's be nice here. <laughs> I got gray hair from last year. Thank you very much. Um, what's your guilty pleasure? And you don't have to feel guilty about it. And you don't. We've we've learned this. <laughs> Probably trashy novels. Oh, okay. So one of my favorite writers is Rachel Grant, and and they they are a little on the trashy side. I'll just warn you. <laughs> no, I'm just. I'm, but. The stories are is really interesting because she's uh, she's an archaeologist and her husband is military, so the the stories uh, are always very intriguing and you know like you get really sucked in and they actually reflect kind of current events. Okay. So one of the books she's talking about, um, you know, the efforts of some of what's happening with. Um, Development in Africa and China's involvement, U.S. involvement, things like that, but but so it's re- it's kind of reflective of yeah. some of the things that are happening in the news. Oh, that's great. Okay. Plus, there's some fun stuff on the side. I like it. Well, yeah, but I'll just warn you. They're kind of trashy. I like it. My husband will encourage me to read those. I'm not gonna lie. All right, so Kelly, if uh, someone wanted to get a hold of you, where is the best place they go? Um, best place is you can see us on fiscalharmony.com. 
um, and you can actually download any, you know, there's there's resources on there and you can communicate with us there or send us a note. They can also find me on LinkedIn. And, you know, we, we love talking with various people and love people. What It's who we serve. Awesome. awesome. And that'll be on our notes page too over at firsttoarrivelastleave.com. Had to think about that for a minute. I love the name uh, of the podcast, that was by her. the way, because <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Yes. Well, do you remember, because you were... Um, at Golden Gate Bank. In D.C. Um, and Bloomberg said it. Oh. Like, all entrepreneurs are the first to arrive and the last to leave. And it just stuck with me. I was like, it's so true. We yeah. leave our 40-hour work weeks to work every hour of the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> even if you're sitting and having a cocktail or a beverage or whatever, you're usually still yeah. in the back yeah. of your head. But then, oh, yeah. And then what? But what happens? You turn to the person next to you who you didn't know and you're like, talk about something. And all of a sudden you have a new opportunity that that wasn't there just because your wheels were turning and you yep. needed to get out of your yeah. mouth. Exactly. <laughs> well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having I'm me. So that so one made it work. Fun. I know. So fun. Congratulations. <laughs> Can't wait you. to see what you guys are going to pull up and who you're going to talk to next. Following the podcast. Everyone should follow the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Make sure you follow it on your favorite player or YouTube. Wherever you, wherever <laughs> podcasts are listened to. So thank you, Kelly. Thanks, Thanks guys. You.